Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. Welcome to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg. And today I'm going to be talking about something that's a critical component to everybody's retirement plan um, as it stands now, and that is Social Security. There's a lot of questions about Social Security, a lot of ways that it can be applied to someone's financial plan. So I wanted to get the basics out there so that everybody really understands what it is and how it gets calculated. So first and foremost, what is Social Security? So back in the 1930s, the country was reeling from the Great Depression, people were really struggling. And so as part of the New Deal that President Roosevelt signed, part of that was the Social Security Act. So originally it was designed to pay retired workers a continuing income starting at their full retirement age, which was initially was age 65. And then it's since then it's expanded to include also some disability benefits and a survivor benefit in certain instances. So as it stands today, one in five Americans claims some form of social security benefits. So it's really a really broad reaching program. One third of the people who are receiving benefits are either disabled or their dependents or survivors of those who have been, who were eligible for benefits. So the way that that the math works, that's about 47 million retirees, 10 million disabled workers, and 6 million survivors of deceased workers. So really, again, a really broad reaching program. And you know they build themselves as the most successful anti-poverty program in our country. And I, I really think that that is true, right? With that broad reach and helping people, um, helping that many people have at least some basic level of income has really proven to be really important. AARP did a study in 2020 and they, with their study, their survey that they did, they're estimating that about two in five people, 40% of people will rely on social security as a significant part of their retirement income. And so as part of someone's financial plan, and we're, we hope that we can help people get away from that where social security isn't the most significant chunk using 401ks, IRAs, other, other investment vehicles to help people save, to build up other assets outside of Social Security. But in reality, there's a large group of people in our country who Social Security is going to make up the majority of their retirement income. So it's really a really important program. So we just, you know, it's there's 63 million people, if you do the math on the people I just mentioned that are collecting these benefits, where does that money come from? And the most significant part of the funding, really the majority of the funding comes from FICA taxes that we pay through our payroll. So every paycheck that someone's getting, FICA is listed on that. The current FICA tax is 6.2%. So if work, workers are paying 6.2% on their income, and then your employer contributes another 6.2%. So the total FICA tax is 12.4%. 
if you're self-employed, then you have to pick up both sides of that. So if you're a self-employed individual, you have to pay that 12.4%. And then there's also a Medicare tax. That's another 1.45%. Or again, if you're self-employed, you're picking up the full 2.9%. And that is, there is an income limit that they charge that on that. So it is capped at a certain point. So for 2023, that cap is going to be $160,200. So on your first, on everybody who's working their first $160,200, they're going to have this tax that they pay. And that pays in to the social security pot, which then goes out to those that are collecting social security. So you're not paying the money that you pay in isn't set aside for you to use later. It's going in and going right back out to those who are currently drawing on their social security. So how do you calculate what the amount you're going to receive is, right? So everybody knows that this is out there, but everybody's benefit can be slightly different based on their work history and age and a few other factors. So Social security is based on your lifetime earnings. So they look at your lifetime earnings and they, for years in the past, they adjust or index those earnings to account for average wages in those years. And they calculate your average monthly earning over the 35 years that you earned the highest, your highest levels of income. So even if you have more than 35 years of work, they calculate your benefit based on your highest 35 years of earnings. For most people, that ends up being the last 35 years that they work. Right? Typically, incomes continue to go up each year. And that can mean that those last few years of work become really important because they're knocking off the first years of work that may be at a much lower level of income. So you're as you approach, if we assume you know, average retirement is 65. Those few last years that you're working, if they're knocking off some of your lower earning years, can make it, you know, an impact. And so something we're as we're building out financial plans and working with client CPAs, we look at where their social security benefits are. And if there are ways in their last few years of work as they're approaching retirement that we can get their income to certain levels to make sure that we can increase their benefit, we want to make sure we take advantage of all of those opportunities. And so you can go, if you're curious, you know, they don't really mail out statements as like they used to for some of the people currently on currently receiving social security, they're still getting statements, but if everybody can go to ssa.gov and create an account and you can see what your social security benefit is, and then it allows you to play around with, you know, an estimator to see if my income is at a certain level or I work this long. How does that impact my benefit? So it can be a really cool tool, especially for those who are getting closer to retirement to look at, okay, here's what my benefit is. But if I stick it out another year or two, this is the type of impact that that can have. And again, as we're looking at financial planning, social security becomes a big chunk of, of that and you know when to start, how long should I wait, that kind of stuff. And so we use those estimators and tools to help clients make the best decision. So that's how it gets funded and that's how it gets calculated. So who is eligible to receive a benefit? You know, as I mentioned, one in five Americans they say is currently 
receiving a social, a social security benefit. So it may not be too hard to qualify for a benefit, right? But really the way that you become eligible is you have to accumulate what they call 40 work credits. And you can accumulate up to four work credits in a year. So it's effectively working for 10 years to get to the basic level of qualification to receive a social security benefit. So that effectively you've paid into the paid taxes in for 10 years makes you eligible for a benefit. Now that's not going to be the highest possible benefit, right? We want to have more than that based on, again, those 35 years. But once you've hit those 40 work credits or 40 quarters, you then become eligible to receive a benefit. You can start your social security as early as age 62. However, if you take it at 62, you'll typically receive a lower benefit than your full retirement benefit based on your earnings. So when they're doing and calculating your earnings, there's, they're looking at what they call full retirement age. And full retirement age, the IRS and the Social Security Administration, they have a chart that shows if you were born in these certain years, here's what your full retirement age is. So when you're looking at your statements, your statements say your full retirement age, here's what your benefit will be. For most people now, that's everybody's inching to that 67-year-old full retirement age. But depend, again, depending on when you were born, it could be anywhere between about 66 and 67 when you reach that full retirement benefit. But again, you could start at 62 if necessary, or if you want to. So at 62, you can start, you just take a little bit of a reduced benefit to start early. You're also eligible to extend beyond your full retirement age. So if you're still working or you just want to make sure you really maximize your social security benefit, you don't have to start at your full retirement age. You can delay until age 70. And if you delay until age 70, each year that you delay beyond your full retirement age, they will credit your social security or increase your social security by 8%. So whatever, again, when you're calculating your benefit beyond your full retirement age, they would increase that by 8% per year that you extend. You don't want to wait past 70 because they don't keep crediting you know, they don't keep increasing your benefit beyond 70, but if you're really trying to get the highest dollar value, then you wait till age 70 and that's going to get you to your highest possible level. There are a few other ways, you know, a few other types of benefits. As I mentioned, it started as sort of a retirement program for retirees and expanded into disability and survivors. So if you've worked enough to qualify for your social security benefit, but you have some form of disability that happens before you reach your full retirement age, before the age you could start taking social security, depending on your age and your work history and a few other factors, there is a disability benefit that they calculate. So you may be able to start earlier than based on some of those things that gets a little complicated, probably a little bit too much for our discussion today. But if you're in that situation, you can work with your advisor and the social security administration to calculate what your benefit maybe. And another really important piece, and I think this one, uh, most people think of this as just a retirement vehicle or retirement income for older Americans, but there's a few really critical places that social security comes into play for clients. And that's on this survivorship basis. So if you, you and a spouse 
make it what to an age where you're both collecting social security and one of your benefits is higher than another and one of you passes away the widow or widower gets to keep the higher benefit of the two so if the spouse who has the higher benefit is the one that passes away the spouse with the lower benefit switches over to that higher benefit now unfortunately you don't get to keep both so they don't keep adding them together but you do get to keep the highest benefit Depending on ages, when your spouse or when you or your spouse pass away, the your widow or widower can get benefits at any age. They don't have to make it to that 62 age I was talking about earlier. They can get it at any age if they're caring for children younger than age 16 or children who have a disability. They're, el they're eligible for benefits in that case. So we've had a few instances with clients with older parents who have younger kids at home that have had that have passed away. And they've been eligible to get that child, uh, the benefit for their children. It's not, again, the, necessarily the full highest amount, but something to help the surviving spouse take care of the children and try to replace some level of income from the parent who passed away. And that can also apply to unmarried children under the age of 18 or up to 19 if they're going to school full-time. There are some benefits that can be in play for them. So that's something that's really critical. And if we want to make sure people understand those survivor benefits are in place, um, when, the, when a spouse or a loved one passes away, things get really complicated and there's a lot of things going on, but that could be a really critical piece for a family trying to figure out how they're going to make their finances work after a spouse passes away. There are also what they call spousal benefits. So as I mentioned, you know, in order to, to be eligible for social security, you have to have achieved those work credits. You have to get your 40 quarters of work to be eligible for benefits. A lot of, in a lot of instances though, maybe one spouse or the other has stayed home to take care of the kids, to be the homemaker. And so they haven't, they didn't work at all. They didn't earn any um, credits towards their social security they are eligible for up to 50% of the spouse who did qualify as benefit. So that can, that's still really important, you know, again, as part of someone's overall financial picture, that if, as long as one of the spouses qualifies, the spouse who may not qualify is eligible for benefits. And even if both spouses worked and earned credits on their own, you know, social, the social security administration will look at what is, your benefit that you've earned yourself, and then what is 50% of your spouse's benefit. And if 50% of the spouse's benefit is higher than what you've earned for yourself, you are eligible to take that higher benefit. So, you know, again, part of that planning is part of your plan. You may have earned some on your own, but one spouse did stay home with the kids or didn't work as much, or one spouse had a higher paying job that was meeting those income thresholds. The other spouse is eligible for 50% if it is higher than their own benefit. And another interesting thing there along those spousal benefits is if you're divorced. So if you have been, if you're divorced, your ex-spouse can receive benefits based on your record, regardless of if you've remarried or not. So as long as you were married for 10 years, the ex-spouse remains unmarried and they're age 62 or older, so they qualify for benefits, then they, they may be entitled to, to qualify for your spousal benefit as opposed to their own benefits. So 
they've done a really good job of helping people get the maximum benefit that they can receive. And that applies also to the disability benefits as well, depending on the situation. So there's a lot of ways that number can get calculated and a lot of factors that go into making the best decision in terms of when to take it or not. And we spend a great deal of time with our clients looking at taking it at, if we take it at 62, is that going to be the best part, the best solution? Maybe, maybe not. So we look at that. We look at their full retirement age. We look at age 70 just to see in w- how can we maximize the amount that we get. And I really don't think there's a right answer here. A lot of that depends on health and how long you live. And there's a number of factors that go into when is the right time or the best time to take it. So again, that's when you really want to work with your advisor to run through all the various scenarios. One of the most common questions I hear or comments I hear is social security is going to run out of money, or is it even going to be there when I get to retirement? You know, as I mentioned earlier, it's such a critical component to, you know, our society now with how many, with its reach and how many people are benefiting from the program. I personally have a hard time seeing it go away, right? I get, that's obviously just my opinion, but you know, one of the things that we're hearing more and more is that, well, social security is going to run out of money. What does that actually mean? And it doesn't, what it doesn't mean is that as soon as they run out of money, everybody's benefits go away and nobody is collecting social security anymore. So the current estimates right now are that in starting in 2034, that social security administration will run out of their excess reserves, but that doesn't mean that you lose your benefit right now. What that means is people can expect to receive a, about 77, 76, 77% of the benefit that they've seen on their statements all those years. So again, it's not necessarily going away completely. It may end up being reduced if there's no legislative changes that happen. And it's really been since the eighties that there's been any legislation or significant changes to the social security administration. And so the last time they faced this sort of deficit or reserve that they were running out of money was in 1983. So the way that they solved that issue to make sure that they could continue to pay what was promised is um, they increased that full retirement age from 65 to 67. So as I mentioned earlier, 67 is when you can get your full social security benefit. So they bumped that, that age out used to be 65. Now it's 67. And then they also started, they changed the income tax rules as it relates to social security. So right now, depending on your income situation, most people end up paying taxes on a portion of their social security. The highest amount you can pay is taxes on 85% of your benefit. So everybody gets 15% of that benefit tax-free, but then you pay tax on 85%. The only way, you know, and it, but it is based on your income. So the, really the only way to, to pay no tax on your social security is to keep your income really low. So essentially if social security is your only source of income, you probably won't be paying taxes on very much of it, if any at all. But if you've got any other sort of income or investments or pensions or those kind of things, most likely you'll be paying taxes on your social security. Mm-hmm. 
So this is something I think that's going to be in the news more and more. We're hearing about it now with these estimates of 2034. But as we get closer to that day, there's going to have to be some decisions made. It may be that they decide they're going to change that full retirement age out a little bit farther. Again, so you have to wait longer before you can achieve your benefits. Maybe they will update the or raise the level, the income threshold instead of stopping at that um, 160,000 level that we discussed earlier. Maybe that that raises so they're collecting more taxes or they may have to raise the tax rate. So they've got a number of things at their disposal, none of which you know are necessarily the most appealing, but they're going to have to do something. I think it's too important it plays too important a role in our society and in our economy for it to just go away completely. So I do think that as we get closer, there will be some changes that they'll need to make. One of the issues they've run into is in 1960, there used to be 5.1 workers per one beneficiary pulling on, you know, drawing on their social security. That ratio is now almost cut in half to 2.8. So there's really only, you know, just shy of three workers working for every one person who's drawing on social security today. So just less money going in. So they're going to have to find a way to um, adjust that so that everybody can continue to get the benefits that, that they're seeing on their statements and that we're using for our planning. So I hope this was helpful today just to get a sense for what is social security, how it's calculated, some of the unique nuances to it that you may not have been familiar with before. If you have any questions on your own benefit or how this fits into your financial plan, feel free to reach out. You can um, check out our website, wittenbergwealth.com, or you can text me at 801-839-7056. And please remember to subscribe to the Wealth of Insight podcast or share with your friends and family. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.